They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So he says it's good enough for Goldies and Jewies, it's good enough for me. Sure enough, sausage roll, down the cake hole. He even chewed. Oh my god, I nearly spewed him. Smith. Oh, oh, bloody hell. More. Tim? Tim? Where the bloody hell is he on? Get your bums in the boat. Sorry, big fella. It looks like it's going to be bum singular today. And get on with it. Oh, yeah, right, eh, right, eh. Hang on a sec. <sighs> right, good to go. G'day fishers and welcome aboard a tinny on a week where it has been international diplomatic conflict after conflict. Intrigue, confrontation, oh my lord on the world stage what's going on? The world's going crazy. The world's going crazy fishers. Once again though, I've been left with the prospect of running the tinny myself solo from the cast deck. Timmy's bucket off again becoming a nasty habit. I think all this talk this week of espionage and secret agents and all this sort of stuff has got Timmy all excited. He's always loved a bit of 007 type business. And particularly what's got Timmy all excited is this concept of being able to turn an election and influence a nation just with a couple of dodgy faceache accounts. Fantastic! It's really, really got under his goat. Now he was thinking about uh, ridding the whole top end of bushchooks with a liberal applications of the old Novichok, which seems to be going a treat in espionage worlds. But he thought that might be a bit risky in case you know he picked his nose absent-mindedly, as you know tends to happen. But this digital cloak and dagger—that's really got him excited. He's been holed up in his bedroom since he left Thailand, still in the same custard-coloured jocks that he was was going to attempt the rescue of the kiddies in. He's drawn the curtains. He's been sitting in front of the computer and just banging away. Banging away, setting up the dodgy faceache accounts. He's quite pallid. He hasn't eaten. He's just survived on coffee and coke and lollies. It's like he's revisiting his bloody 16-year-old self. But he set up quite a few Facebook accounts that seem to be producing goods at the moment. Like, like a couple. I'll just, uh, I'll, you know, if you get an invitation to join these, I'd be a bit suspicious. We'll roll Malcolm Turnbull for beer. We'll roll Bill Shorten for beer. We'll exile Tony Abbott to Menace Island for beer. And this one, this one's a beauty. We'll kneecap Cristiano Ronaldo, mess up his hair and shave what's left of his eyebrows for beer. 
It's a masterstroke. Timmy's thinking he will never have to buy beer again. And good luck to you, champion. I hope the love and the beer spreads around. Digital cloak and dagger. That's right up your alley, Timmy. Luckily again, into the fray, has leapt Joel Spry to jump aboard the vessel and help me steer it through the tortuous paths to success today. Welcome back, Joel. Thanks for having me, Robert. It's I... been a week of intrigue and skullduggery, hasn't it? It has. I was all really excited, but you've just disappointed me, mate. Why is that? I thought they were real Facebook accounts. <laughs> how much is the idiot you for, Joel? How much? Hey, how many How many cartons have you coughed oh, up? Oh, yeah, a lot. A oh. lot of cartons. I really like that idea. Yeah, all of it. We'll roll Turnbull for beer. We'll roll Shorten for beer. I thought that was legit. The beauty is that yeah. most people would have a carton on all of those. <laughs> Absolutely. No matter what their political stripe. I do like the idea of a Novichok for bush chooks, though. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you're another. You're, you're of Tim Zilk, aren't you? Oh yes, I certainly am. You don't like the chalk? No, not at all. Ruin my garden. Uh, they do that. They're a bit in peril around our place at the moment. I've got to admit, they probably taste good though. No, oh, I think they're tough. My misses are go the Novichok, I reckon. So you're pretty much driving the bus, Joel. You've been across the the ins and the outs of the tinny. What have we got coming up? I have this week, Robert, and it is a very overloaded show this week. It's like one of those youths going to the tip, oh. full of palm fronds. Oh. Debris just falling off everywhere. Do you mark them? Do I mark them? Yeah, yeah. What? Like if I see if I see like an old banged up, you know, two B high like cute, you know, 1984 model, with you know palm fronds stacked eight feet above the cabin, like something out of India, <laughs> possibly with a teenage child spread eagled on top, holding it down like an hockey strap. Sometimes we, there's two. <laughs> we go eight and a half, honourable. <laughs> No, I don't, but that's what I'll be doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but there is plenty on the show this weekend. And Rob, you and Lisa have been rubbing shoulders with some of the top-end fishing royalty. Oh, we have. Getting the good oil. And the man behind the camera of that incredible video that went bananas last week, where all those barrows were swarming around Merganella Crossing on the way to Coburg. Mm-hmm. Nearly 2,500 comments on that Facebook video. Wow. <laughs> Most Any of beer? Them... <laughs> Any offering beer? <laughs> no. Most of them say, huh? tagged person. Even you wouldn't catch fish here. Yeah, it's a perfect slag, isn't it, really? And Lisa the Brave. She certainly lives up to her name this week. A loyal tinny listener finally managed to convince her to join in on what he calls fun, and by all accounts, she needed every ounce of bravery she could muster. Good on you, mate. Stay with us, and uh, you fishos, beware. Beware of what comes in on your faceache feed. Unless... It comes from a reliable source, like tales from the tinny. One of them um, insisted on using a hand line. It seemed to get worse from there. It's awkward. Everything was like, oh, God. There's always a backup plan on the way back into Darwin anyway, so... Tales from the tinny. Now, Fisheries HQ out at Berrima Farm there has always been a happy hunting ground for the tinny. A place to seek not only scientific insights to aid in the pursuit of our prime piscatorial targets. But also, there's big mobs of tactical advice to be garnered because many of the boffins out there are also pretty handy fishers. Now, this has never been more the case than this week when Lisa and I ventured out there 
to find not only the usual cast of great scientific minds, but also a gaggle of legendary regular type fishos there, serendipitously to take part in a wreck fishing advisory committee or RFAC meeting. G'day, I'm Shorty from Darwin. Been down the Wiltshires, mate, adventuring down the Adelaide, as a number of people have been over recent weeks. How have you found it? It's been a little quiet at the moment. The neap tides that we fish turn the tides too early in the morning, so we run down from the bridge. By the t- you get an incoming tide most of the day. By the time it gets low again in the afternoon, pretty much time to head home, but later in the year it'll pick up a bit more. So what time are those tides are you wanting them to turn in your favourite sort of scenario? Uh, if we can get it to turn down the Wiltshires any time after 10 o'clock in the morning, even lunchtime's better, but it just gets you that whole run-out tide and the low tide and the incoming tide. And we're still getting barrow on the incoming tide, but it's just a bit harder to find them. And so getting a few? Yeah, the last couple of weeks have been a bit quiet, but or fortnights. We only go every fortnight, but uh, later in the year as the, as the neaps reverse and you get a bigger low in the daytime, you tend to get, you know, it's not unusual to get a dozen to 15 barra for the day. But what have you been getting? What are you calling a not-so-good trip? Oh, four to six barra for the day. Um, but there's a bit of bycatch, a few jacks and snapper. Though I have to say this year and probably even last year, the, the bycatch is nothing like it has been in the couple of years before that. I don't know what we put that down to, but no dewies this year. We normally get a few small dews through the year, but um, haven't seen one this year. And these are all in the same country that you're flicking for barra in? Yes, yeah, we're specifically chasing barra. A couple of times we'll go out to a coastal creek and chase a couple of big trevally, but it's basically barra we're chasing. And what are you finding is working when, when you're targeting these uh, barra? Oh, come on now. Um, lures. <laughs> going hard. Some, fair to say, I'm not a huge soft plastic user, but the vibes of all the lures are working. I tend to catch more fish than most. I try and stick to the hard bodies, but... I do go to the dark side occasionally. And you're having to work them really hard to like get those barra to the surface? Uh, everyone's got a different technique that's in the boat. You know, it varies who's in the boat. And obviously techniques make a huge difference because you can all be using the same lure or, or thereabouts and there's always someone who'll get more fish than other and they're consistently getting more fish than you. And what techniques are you using, Shorty, dare I ask? I just generally use a really slow wind if it's a vibe, obviously, I'm um, just a lift and drop, but uh, generally I just slow roll a soft plastic and bounce it across the bottom. Seems to work pretty well. You been uh, hitting any other fields? Uh, I went down the daily last springs, uh, seven metres of movement. It was pretty tough, but just doing the midwater trolling on the turn of the high, we got a 74 and 78 and jumped a couple in the mid-80s. So it was okay, but it was uh, the water was filthy and it was pretty tough fishing. And it's not your favourite modus operandi either? No, no it's not, though, you know, I know we call it lotto trolling, but I still think there's an element of skill in picking where the fish are and seeing them on the side scan and moving across and trolling across them. There's a lot of guys who do it far better than I do. And we're, now that we're in the middle of the dry, what's the water levels like in those snags that are giving the fishers a bit of grief around the daily? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just scared oh. the shit out of Alex Julius and he's dropped his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the, the snags coming out of the bottom of Browns Creek, you have to go in along the high wall. It was that shallow and there's some snags there that I was quite happily running across, assuming it was just sandbank, but there's great big stumps in the middle of it, so... But it wasn't that much lower than what we saw during the during the classic. The rock bar down the main rock bar was still 
probably had 10 square feet of rock bar out of the water. Now, we've been interrupted. Alex Julius has turned up. We've, uh, we're scared. Of, you didn't really need that coffee, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a white. Yeah, what are we talking about? Oh, well, what are you talking Where have you been, mate? What have you been up to? Uh, I got back yesterday from New Guinea. Oh, black bass? I did, yeah. Mothership on the Fly River. Six full days. 256 fish between the crew. Interestingly, there were more barra than bass, but only just. There's a lot of barra there, but they're all big. The biggest was 125 centimetres, uh, and all the others are in the 90s. Mm. But coming from the Territory, I was more interested in the black bass. I've been in New Guinea a few times, but first time in 15 years, and it didn't disappoint. We got fish to 14 kilo, wow. and the bigger ones, I just <laughs> forgot how they t- How brutal they are. Oh, look, they just... You get a weak point in your tackle and a 40-pounder jumps on and it exposes it. So you fix that, then a new weak point <laughs> crops up. You know, I mean, I had... It's had, a cascade of failure, basically, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, well, I've, you know, using 65-pound braid and you've got an 80-pound leader. Embarrassing as it was, my first weak point to be exposed when the knot pulled through. Now, I couldn't pull that knot through in a million years. Um, so I then went to you know, eight barrels and glue uh, for my knots. <laughs> So then, then, then I already changed the split rings on the hooks, but then the, uh, and of course the hooks are, you know, 48 times extra strong. And then the split ring on the front pulled through on another big one. So I changed that to a bigger split ring, a more solid one, and, I, and I've got those fast-hatch clips. So then the line cut through on the clip. That's three lots of, uh, of big fish lost. And the last encounter with the big one I had was um, when it just bolted into a snag and uh, completely bent three trebles, you know, 1017 extra strong. So, yeah, and that, the reason's happening because you're doing lock-up drag. You use pliers yeah, to do yeah. your drag-up. Yeah, so, uh, but we got a lot of fish. And so they did come into the boat eventually? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you go to Instagram on the NAFA page, I'll see a big one on that. Good on you, Alex. I hope you survived the day without your coffee. <laughs> uh, this is Tales from the Tinny. Where, uh, one of the advantages when you come out to Berrima Farm on a particular... Well, there's a meeting going on, an AFAC meeting, I believe, is that all the great people of note in town are here. David Shrovelo from AFAD. How are you, mate? Oh, it's nice to be put in that category. Thanks for that, Rob. <laughs> well, have you been up to much lately? Yeah, well, uh, I was about to tell you about the whiting I've been catching at Fanny Bay. It doesn't sound very <laughs> exciting after Alex's story. Uh, did you lock up the drag with the pliers? Uh, no, actually. You can back it right off. <laughs> Just enjoying the dry season. Yeah, yeah. Um, the barra have gone a bit quiet at my land base spots at the moment. Maybe the water's been a little bit cool, so uh, I've been catching bait mostly, but uh, they're all right on the grill. Oh, they certainly are. There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, 10, 20, maybe 30 little whiting fillets on the barbie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky there's a generous bag limit, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look, it's, a, it's still a great time to be out there. Plenty of uh, kids out fishing for the school holidays, and it's been amazing just to see uh, how many parents are taking the time to get them out there. So, um, fantastic. Okay, uh, chaps, I better let you all go. So, David, thank you. Thank you. Alex, thank you. Thanks, Rob. And Shorty, thank you. Thanks, Rob. And if you feel like doing just that thing, you can hit us at uh, ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. You can email fishing at abc.net.au. And as always, we can say you can slip a note under Joel's door. His address is dot, dot, dot. I've had a few notes under my door.
Have you? Angry yeah. Neighbourhood, Joel. No, no, Richard Kenyon. <laughs> he sent us a pic of him holding up an 82-centimetre barrow with his 11-month-old daughter, Molly, who's patting the barrow on the head. Nice work. A Northern Territory vaccination, perhaps. That's right. Something Get a bit like of slime. Yes. Get a bit of slime into you. Good on you, Molly. Richard says, with mum and a very happy dad on the upper daily. Caught at what we consider high tide this far upstream, NT kids are at their best. Caught a consistent mixed bag of sizes until the tide turned, mainly up near Haywards Creek. Of course, you can check out the photos and all the other pictures on Facebook. He's a very proud-looking dad, isn't he? And why wouldn't you be? Michael Hicks kept it short and sweet, sending us a message on Faceache. Really enjoying your page, fellas. That's almost... Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks, Michael. We Short can't, and sweet. We can't take all the credit for it. It's great for shows like you listening. Let's count the words. I like beer. Nev. One, two, three, four. About the same. But, Michael, <laughs> you're doing well. We're liking your work. Matty Hayne also uh, hit us on Facebook. This is Matty Hayne, who's uh, otherwise known as the Corroboree Gimp. He runs a mobile S&M van around the, around the suburbs of, of the Territory. If you're interested, you can probably uh, message him on Facebook for a good flogging. Uh, well, the fluff chucking was very slow, but the pots did all right, he says, sending a photo in of a fridge full of, uh, fridge full of beer and crabs. And he says, mud crab and frothies. Does life get much better than that? And I would go so far as to say, Matthew, no. Would you concur? Absolutely, Joel? but I'm, what you just said before, I'm a bit worried about the fluff chucking and the crabs. Just got to watch those crabs. <laughs> Robin Leppert also gave us a hoy. Caught two of the biggest fish in my life on Saturday. A giant trevally and a Spanish mackerel. Mm. Out off Dundee at a spot my mate has christened Trevally Mountain. Why wouldn't you? I was using jigs for both and it felt great. But I was bloody tired and sore by the time we got that GT, that golden trevally on board. Absolutely, they do go hard. Now I've got a couple of photos from Andy. Andy from uh, the Pheromones, which is uh, a lot of people will know is uh, Captain Jane's gun all-female crabbing crew. Now, there was quite a few photos there of uh, Captain Jane holding up a couple of tuna. There was a couple of short movies of the hors d'oeuvres that were going around the boat. There was an esky full of uh, crabs. A bit of, uh, a bit of Andy throwing some uh, lures at tuna, I believe, while the, a couple of the other pheromones were indulging in a, in a quiet little sherby and some, uh, you know, some jats and, and cheese and maybe a bit of pate. Couldn't quite discern what. But that's all I got. Is that it? No details about where and when. I, I questioned her. Andy, where? Tell me more. But see, maybe the pheromones have been... Maybe Captain Jane has invoked the rule of silence. We shall find out. Captain Jane, if you're listening, or Andy, if you feel like breaking ranks and letting us know what, where, some good-looking crabs. Ah, and, of course, uh, Dynamic Double Act Jason and Melita have been at it again, posting the fruits of their fish labour on faceache. They cleaned up at the Finnis on the last set of big tides, landing some great size barra. And just for something different, they put the pots in and had some success there. Finnis, spring tides, ka-ching, dollars and cents. That man has a lot of dollars and cents, doesn't he? He does. Do you, you reckon you'd ever get sick of catching big barra? Like he does? I'd have to ask someone. <laughs> so I'm asking you. <laughs> well, you're asking the wrong person, fella. You're asking the wrong person. I truly mean. Oh, good on you, Jason. 
Now, Yasmin Murphy, she gave us a hoy and sent in a fantastic video from the Tiwi Islands. Over at our little family spot on the southern side of Melville Island for the three-week break with our kids visiting family, what we thought was casting a throw net to get bait turned into landing all these barras. Oh, my gosh! Are you serious? I'm not surprised that you can't believe it, Yazzie, because that was a bloody haul. I think there was about six barra came out of that cast net, <laughs> one of which looked to be about, I don't know, I, I was saying 80 um, or 80 plus. What? Yeah. Yep, I reckon so. I'm surprised there was only one beep in that. Yes, that's right. That showed great demure ladylike restraint there, Yazzie. Mm. The video was taken at a place that we've been going for over 25 years, she says. We got 12 on the first day from three cars. Then on the second day, knowing that the cast net would get us some barra, they went, they didn't, why bother about bait? We got nine. So 21 barra over two days. Well done, Yazzie. Oh, yeah, well done. Well done. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Hi, I'm Graham Williams from Inside Fly Fishing. Just come back from a big mothership adventure at uh, Endelgout, Graham. How'd you go? Oh, great. It's one of those spots that uh, every year, about this time of year, we run a mothership over there, take a bunch of fly fishing clients and a few of the other well-known guys, Dean Jackson, uh, Glenn Watt and uh, Rob Marchant. Uh, we had a ball. What a cast, firstly, before we get to the fly fishers, what a cast of guides. All-star, you'd have to say. Yeah, well, there was a little bit of a problem occurred during that because one of my clients in Jess called me a uh, heritage-listed guide, so you can... Heritage-listed? Those three soon pricked up on that, and I just wore it all week, but I thought to myself, oh, there's somewhere along the line I'm going to get my back on this, you know. Take it as a compliment or an insult? There's a bit of a two-each-way on this one, isn't there? Well, there are other people who call me a stalwart, and I was always, you know, a little concerned about that word too, but... Anyhow, that's what you you wear if you've been in too long. It's a little anachronistic on my part, I guess. So, <laughs> so how did the fishing go? Well, tell us what sort of country you're working first. Oh, very much like Bino. I mean, it's above the mini-mini system on the bottom end of Gurig National Park. There's lots of rivers, lots of creeks, lots of flats, lots of uh, reefs. All that stuff you'd expect in, say, a place like Bino or Darwin Harbour, just a little more remote. But no, we found lots of fish. Probably nothing over about 85, 90. But what species uh, are we talking, Grant? Uh, Barra, we're oh. talking about. The big queen fish, obviously, were there. The big trevally. Not a lot of mangrove jacks. Heaps of snapper. So you're working mostly estuarine sort of country? Yeah, certainly. Uh, we're working the edges, the flats, the dropout, uh, the run up on tides onto snags where we get a lot of snapper sitting around. The odd barrows, um, blue threadfin, king threadfin, quite a few of them there as well. Uh, but I guess the highlight at the, after the barra fishing, which is predominantly what you're doing, is that we chase those big queen fish and uh, the mothers are there. They really can uh, take you on 
and anybody on an eight or nine weight rod would know that a you know eight or nine kilo queenfish, if you get him in the open, you'll win. But if he goes anywhere near a tree, you lose. <laughs> and so a few of those had? Oh, very much so. Quite a lot of them, actually. Uh, there's a lot of flies left over there. <laughs> put it so a lot hooked, but a lot lost. Yeah, yeah. No, but overall, it was a great trip, great weather. Although it was quite windy. The good thing, I guess, about that area is that it has a lot of shelter from the southeast. Uh, we weren't really getting too much in the afternoons, but uh, lots of places to hide around corners, if you know it. Uh, my history of there goes right back into '97 when I used to work out of the big barra camp there. I've always loved the system and yeah, and always look forward to going back every year. When you start pulling out facts like that, Graham, that's how you get called Heritage's listed guide, mate. Yeah, well, I identify younger, right? <laughs> but that's my right to identify being younger, but I guess biologically you're not getting away with that. So you got a few goldies you mentioned. Uh, what sort of country were they in and uh, what size? Medium size, nothing really big, but heaps of. Uh, you find a snag, especially on running tides, you sink a fly down and you're pretty well guaranteed to catch them. And you can sit there, you'll catch 15 or 20 in a row, but you keep them all in the live bait tank on the boat. Uh, when you finish fishing, then you let them all go again, you know, unless you're going to keep one or two. They've got this bad habit, as we all know, of alerting everybody else down there. And even saying that, if you lose a couple, you start to get that sort of thing happening. But no, it was great, and it's certainly entertaining. They pull hard like jacks. Uh, they're great eating if you want to eat them. There's certainly no danger to the golden snapper in any of that area. Now, you're always a man who fishes just the tides you want to fish. Was that the case on this charter? Yeah, yeah. I book always on a making moon, uh, so the seven days lead up to a new moon or a full moon, which is coming off the neaps, gives me clear water, then clear water on the move for the progressive week. Especially with fly fishing, because predominantly you're out there looking. 75, 80% of your day, you're actually trying to identify what you're trying to catch. Tales from the Tinny. Graham Williams. Long-term legendary territory guide, often referred to as the stalwart. But now, with a new moniker, he might not be so happy with. The Heritage Listed Guide. It's a two, it's a double-edged sword, really, Joel, isn't it? Do you take it as a compliment, or do you take it as say you were an old fart, mate? Sometimes you don't get a chance with nicknames. <laughs> That's it. The ones you don't like are generally the ones that stick. That are gonna stick. <laughs> Good luck, Heritage Listed Guide. <laughs> yes, but as we know, fishers, particularly if you happen to be a wily old coyote like Graham. I've probably done just exactly the same thing there, haven't I? Another one. Another one. That there is one certainty in life, and it's not taxes, is that the tide will eventually turn. And so it was that the tide of ragging and ridicule that had been flowing toward Graham from the young bucks during this trip suddenly began to turn in the other direction. And we'll hear just how delightfully it turned out for Graham later here in the tinny. Tales from the tinny. Hey, how you going? It's uh, Andrew here from Jabberoo. Now, Andrew, last week you sent us a couple of pretty cool videos. One at the Merganella Crossing and another of a pretty staunch croc who didn't really want you to pass. Tell me how the Coburg one came about. 
we were heading up there for a work trip, me and my apprentice Jordan. Pretty much always pull up at Merganella for a bit of a look because it's sort of like the halfway point to where we go up at Aru Point. Is that a place that you would normally fish if it wasn't a work trip? Not really. I don't generally fish there. At, at one point there, they didn't allow people to fish there. But because it was a work trip, we didn't take the rods, which Jordan was very disappointed with. Normally there's a lot of barra hanging around the top side of that crossing. And I actually had been up there previous to that three weeks earlier and there was certainly a, a number of barra there but nothing like what was there when we turned up that day. There would have had to have been thousands there, I would have thought. But it looked like you could almost put your hands in and pick one up. There was actually barra swimming up onto the crossing, you know, in about ankle-deep water and Jordan, being the goofy apprentice that he is, actually tried to catch a few and there were, he had no hope wasn't going to happen <laughs> there was one there that was actually dead I, I don't know how I guess it maybe got washed up when a card come through so I just joked with Jordan that I'd actually caught one by my bare hands yeah do you go up to Coburg much for a fish yeah I do a mate that I've grown up with about in Jabiru his family are from up that way so we quite often go up to Aru Point and um, spend some time up there and yeah, actually heading up there tomorrow and spend uh, four days up there, so should be good. Weather's looking good, yeah. I've never been up to Coburg. What's the fishing like? Yeah, unreal. It's not a place that everyone can get to. The pelagic fishing, you know, mackerel, tuna, queenfish, trevally, all those sorts of species. Plus, you know, you've got your creeks, barra jacks. It's just, yeah, unbelievable. And normally always take a boat up there, yeah, if we can, depending on the condition of the road. And at the moment, it's not too bad, so, so yeah, it should be a good trip. I like to do a fair bit of trolling for the max, just trolling basically big hard bodies around and also a bit of bottom bouncing, so targeting all sorts of stuff, snapper, coral trout. You've got queenies and trevallies, there's a, a lot of reef around his area there, not far from the mainland, so you don't have to go far at all and you're in the action basically. Sounds like the barbecue will be going off at the campsite. <laughs> it's uh, pretty easy to get a feed up there for sure. You fish the east sometimes? I love the east. I reckon it's probably one of the best rivers in the top end for the fact that it doesn't see as much traffic as, say, the Mary or the South Alligator. I try to spend most of my time there in the runoff and and even through the dry season on the upstream side. And having luck there? Yeah, obviously with a couple of good wet seasons in a row, we've had a couple of really good runoffs. We spend a lot of time downstream and even sort of right down to the bottom parts of the east, you know, fishing coopers and even further around to Merganella and Saltwater Creek and stuff like that. I'd like to spend a bit of time over there and, and get away from the crowds. What's the water level like now out, out at the east? Pretty much most of the, the flood water's gone now, but they're still catching some really good fish around the crossing. And as those tides push over the crossing into the freshwater side, they're still bringing up some quite big barra. I haven't fished too much this year on the top side as yet, you know, waiting to get out to that top side. But from all reports from mates that have been up that way, there's plenty of barrier out that way to be caught, yeah. Still worth a trip out there if that's what you're after? Yeah, for sure, yeah. You've got kales to fish off or, you know, if you've got a boat, head up to the rock hole and beyond. And from what I've heard, there's good numbers of, you know, between sort of 50 to 70 centimetre range, so... Still a good fight on the water. Yeah, that's right, yes. Especially for me when taking the kids out, you know, that sort of style of fishing, catching plenty of numbers, definitely keeps them interested. They love it. (laughs) Probably even more into it than I guess I was at their age, I suppose. They're keen as... It's pretty good when you've got the rest of the family begging you to take you for a fish. It makes it hard to get away sometimes but when you want to go out you know, with your mates and that, but <laughs> the boys, they've kind of picked it up really, really quick. And my eldest, Dexter, he's uh, turning nine today. Actually, it's his birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Dex. His PB is a 110, so he's doing really well. <laughs> How'd he go bringing it in? Yeah, it took him a while, and he was uh, towards the end there. 
he wanted to hand the rod over. He was getting a bit tired and he got it to the boat a couple of times that just sort of kept, you know, getting away from him. So he was getting a little bit frustrated, but I said, no, no, mate, you know, you, this is your fish, you've got to get it in. He persevered and, yeah, he got it, so it was really good. That's got to be a proud dad-son moment. Yeah, no, it was. I was really proud of him and, um, yeah, he still he talks about it all the time, yeah. No wonder he's begging you to take him out fishing all the time. Yeah, that's right, yeah, he's definitely got the bug now for sure. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Let us know how you go on your Coburg trip. No worries, thank you. PB of 110 for young Dexter there. You've got to be happy with that. Well, I certainly would be. <laughs> and Andrew told us that the barrow was actually bigger than Dexter. So he did well bringing it in on his own. Unbelievable. You know that 110 centimetres is usually the height minimum for kids to go on water slides? Oh, that's something I didn't know. So the barrow could go, but the kid couldn't. But poor Dexter couldn't. Hey, isn't life cruel sometimes? Imagine the barrow would enjoy it down at the Anya Water Park. <laughs> Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the Tinny. Now, Packy Andy via the fishing at ABC inbox. He's been on uh, the school holiday sojourn over the west. Hasn't he? What? And he's sent us a little letter. Oh, has he? Yes. A little letter? No. Or a large letter? No. I'll give it, a, I'll give it my best shot yeah. of reading this out. See, because you've got on one end of the spectrum, you've got Nev. G'day, I'm Nev, I like beer. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Andy. That's exactly right. Wish me luck. <laughs> G'day, Tinny colleagues. This week, yet another example of the Church of the Tinny is always with us in physical presence and in spirit. Nice start. I ran into church member Nathan Land and his family on an outback adventure. Mm, Nathan. Just a stone's throw away from us at Cable Beach Caravan Park. We hooked up and ventured out to Willie Creek, and let's just say that the fishing was so good you didn't even need a, you didn't even need to cast the main river. The rock pools were enough, as evidenced by Nathan's great rock pool capture. Mm, I did. And I, I noticed, Nathan, if you're listening too, mate, I hope that's your daughter's rod, mate. Nice pink little number. <laughs> Looked like a decent little queenie coming out of a, a rock hole there. I'm pretty sure one of the rules in the church is that we don't judge. <laughs> yes. 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 But anyway, I agree with you, Robert. <laughs> one cannot quantify the social comfort one gains from travelling thousands of kilometres of dangerous outback track, safe in the knowledge that a member of the Tinny Church is likely to be much closer than one would ever imagine. Whether you like it or not... God bless the tinny. <laughs> Andy also sent in some audio of his trip up to Cape Levick, the highlight being the capture of the prized batfish. The first biggest fish, what is it? It's a batfish. Batfish. Can you eat that? Oh. No, you can't. No. <laughs> and there's a bit of controversy on the trip as well, a potentially family dividing statement. What do you think about bait fishing compared to lure fishing? Better. Why? Well, well, if we were little fishing on that boat, mm. we wouldn't have got that much fish. But we bait fished, and it was fine. Andy, where did you go? I bet you he's asking himself the same question. Oh, you can Andy, al- where did I go wrong? You can almost feel the disappointment in his voice, can't you? But maybe she's onto something there, Andy. 
Stink it up, fella. You might need all the help you can get in there, mate. Not that there's anything wrong with bait fishing again. We don't judge. I love a saucy droll, Joel. I, I really love a saucy droll. Anyway, praise be to you, Packy Andy. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them rubbing up, ya. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, it's Brennan from Bellamac. And his wife, Mel. So, guys, I see you've been out to Yellow Waters over the weekend with three children in tow. How did it go? Surprisingly well. We had every iPod charged and every block of Lego ready to go. Both boys are very keen to cast the line in, but um, yeah, after about half an hour passes, they dropped the stick. How old are the boys? Six, five, and then Zara's almost two. We've talked to Matt and Haggis, a.k.a. Brendan, before, and it's always a boys' trip. So is this the first time with the whole family? Yeah, first time. And it's a bit of a mission. How does that affect your fishing? It does get quite uh, interesting, so I am generally drive the electric on the front. And Mel's at the back entertaining Zara, but occasionally get a shout-out. Haggis, get down to the back, I need to get on the front and catch some fish. And the boys, they're just learning how to cast. They're always missing our heads a few times. Mel actually got her hat ripped off. Where the hook scared the heck out of her, and the boy got a bit of a shock too, but that's how it is. And lucky it didn't go in your face. I know. It, uh, yeah, it clipped the top of my sunnies, and I thought I was missing an eyebrow, but it's all good. We, <laughs> we worked it out, but yeah, I scared him a bit, which put him off a little bit for a while. I heard you caught your first barra on this trip. I did. It may not have been legal, but yeah, definitely nice to finally fight my spot on the boat and kick Biddy off and uh, yeah, catch my first barra. It was good. Matt couldn't miss out though. He was actually on FaceTime at the time that I caught it. So he was going, oh look, it's all me. I'm the, I'm the good luck charm. But uh, Brennan quickly uh, hung up and yeah, enjoyed me actually catching it. How'd it feel? Not bad, actually. I, I wish we could have enjoyed it some more, but Brendan was too busy down the other end holding on to Zara and the phone, and yeah, it was good, though. So does that mean you've got a taste for fishing now or a, a greater understanding of the boys' desire to always be fishing? Oh, definitely. I said the uh, more attempts equals the more centimetres, and I think that's definitely true, so I'm out to catch a bigger one now. Yeah, it looks like the, the green card might be a bit harder to get these days. I think that's actually Matt's green card. I'll be taking Mel out every time anyway. So, yep, he's got to earn his spot on the boat now. Especially if he's forgetting things like the bungs, like in previous trips. He only just yesterday told me he's lost them all again, so... I'm sensing a bit of a pattern here with Matt <laughs> and his boat-keeping skills. Yeah, yeah, it's something we've got to look out for when you take him out. He's a special care unit. Look out for him. Now that Mel's got the taste for Barra, are those green cards going to be flowing more easily for the boys? God, no. Definitely have to be taking me out, maybe... The green card might involve a babysitter instead. That sounds like a really good deal, Brendan. Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, Mel's, Mel's good company in the fishing. It's always good to have someone to fish better than than, than usually the other way around. <laughs> not doing yourself any favours here, man. Were you targeting Barra exclusively on that trip? Yeah, we weren't really targeting it. Throw it in and, and have a go. We were just using the soft plastics. Yeah, they seem to be working well for us and we just use that as our dominant lure. What was the water looking like on the weekend? Where we went was very clear. We actually got shown this spot by a um, nice old man that seemed to be fishing next to us and saw we weren't catching anything. He just said, hey, you got kids on board and know a good spot where they're jumping out of the water. So we just chased him upstream and, and I didn't even think of going here. It's, it's just ridiculous, uh, the depth and the, and the weeds, but um, it turned out to be a quite a good spot and, and you can actually see the barra under the water before you catch him. He landed five or six while we were there for three hours. And is that your first time on Yellow Water? About my third. You're loving it out there over the daily? Daily, 
Yeah, completely different. I do love the flicking in um, random areas, the daily. Yeah, not quite used to it yet. What about you, Mel? Where would you like to go on your next barra trip? Anywhere there's a uh, decent jetty to get into the boat would be nice. <laughs> and a nice ramp to reverse the trailer into would be handy. But yeah, I've not been anywhere else. So yeah, looking forward to it. Congratulations, Mel, on your first barra. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Thanks, Lisa. Tales from the Tinny. And that nice old man... Who put, <laughs> There's another backhand slag. ...who put Brendan and Mel onto the fish at Yellow Waters turned out to be Tinny Church member Buddha. Ah, old, old oh. Buddha. Good old, old man Buddha. Now, I met you a couple of years ago, Buddha, and, oh, well, didn't look old, but maybe you are. <laughs> Depends whose eyes are making the judgment. These young whippersnappers. Right. Now, the Tinny had a chat to Buddha a couple of weeks ago. We're not surprised that he knows all the good spots, Brendan. He bunkers down out there every southern winter. Spent a lot of time finding all its honey holes out of yellow water. Good on you. Yellow waters. How good is it out there? Good on you, old man Buddha. Old Buddha. Now, now Brendan Harkness, of course, uh, is also known as Haggis. Now, we've got a couple of Haggises. Who correspond with the tinny, of course. One of the uh, one of them, the the famous bulldozer driving uh, poetry writing bard, the local bard of the tinny. Now, there's been some talk around the tinny office. You're a bit of a bard yourself, a bit of a poet, Joel. Now, um, if you're listening, Haggis, the bulldozer driving uh, bard version. Where are you going with this, Robert? You were talking. Uh, there was a phrase that came out: poetry slam. I believe a challenge is being issued, Haggis. A poetry off. I must admit, every time I do hear Haggis contribute to the tinny with a poem, one of his ripping poems, I think, you know what? I think it's my turn. I reckon I can take him down. I reckon I can. You know, I reckon this is going to have to happen at a pub. Definitely. A couple of reeds, what do you reckon? A couple of warmer uppers. <laughs> a few glasses of creativity. <laughs> That's it. I'm up for it, Haggis. It's amazing how hard they go in such shallow water. It's been good fishing, really good. I was stoked. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, I'm Peter Zerani from the MV Barradiction. Uh, one of the greatest tour buses on the Darwin Harbour. The chaperone of all chaperones, Peter Zerani, does more chaperoning and guiding amateur fashion around the harbour than any other bloke. You like showing people around more than you like fishing these days, Pete. Oh, look, I run one of the hardest working unpaid guiding businesses in the <laughs> top end. Some people suspect that I am on the take, but for those... You are out, on the take of photos, that's for sure. I've been with you. I'm certainly on the take of photos, but I certainly have to pull out 200 bucks every time I go fishing <laughs> to uh, pay for it. So it's not really guiding, is it? No, indeed. Where have you been lately, mate? This time of year, as you know, in the dry season, every man and his dog is ringing you up and saying, I've got a mate's mate whose mate is coming up, or I was in a pub last night and I spoke to a bloke who's coming to Darwin and he said... I saw your name written on the wall in the toilet. Yeah, look... <laughs> That is another program. I think it's a late night program. We won't go there. That's different guiding. Uh, um, Where have I been? That's a very good question. Let's get back to that. Yeah, on Saturday I took up a visiting mate, Matt Beckman. He's a good friend of Jamie Crawford, a South Australian-based fishing writer who I know pretty well. And uh, we went out to the rig. Lovely conditions. Flat as, some might even say a territory glass off. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, there was plenty of fish around. Matt got a couple of nice Spaniards. He'd never been tropical fishing before. So in that 10 to 12 kilo mark. We also lost eight max lures, which uh, 
we fish them vertically. They're a bibless trolling lure, but you just drop them straight down. So that was pretty cool. And then there was the usual assorted variety of trevallies, tea leaf, brassy, GT, and golden trevally. Keeping the visitors happy as per usual. Uh, these snips, did you have wire? Were they snipping wire? Yeah, they're snipping wire. They're hitting either the Albright to your leader knot. They snip that there. Or, you know, you hook a fish and another one just eats it halfway through the braid. So they were pretty voracious. <laughs> so that was, that was last Saturday. So that was on the new moon, was it? Yeah, it was on pretty big tides. And usually on the big tides, you've got choices of either going really wide or staying, tucking in really close, which is actually what I did on Sunday. I had another mate here in Darwin and his dad, Mick, Mick's up from New South Wales to help Jamie lay some concrete. And one of the payoffs was to come fishing with me. <laughs> so, so we went to Lee Point, just a quick visit. And again, the water was dirty out wider, but nice and clean inside Lee Point. And on that outgoing tide, Jamie hooked a nice Spaniard, which cut him off because it was on mono. Jamie landed a nice 13 kilo Spaniard on the troll. And he got a nice cod as well. So the O'Briens feasted well that night. So Lee Point looked promising. Uh, we've heard mixed reports from out there. Yeah, it's been a tougher year on the uh, blue water this year. Um, I saw a few big skinnies finning around. Um, I saw another boat troll up a tuna, but I've barely seen a tuna there this year. And if you see them, they're pretty skittish. But um, it's a great place, you know, for a short three-hour trip. You burn a whole lot less fuel going to Lee Point <laughs> than you do, do going to spend a climb. Yeah, very, very much so. So I was pretty stoked with that. Picking up that uh, Mac on the troll was... Let's just say it was pretty arsy. But swimming alongside it was another Mac of the same size. And so I quickly picked up a rod and I was going to cast it and turn a single into a double. Then I thought maybe that's not a great idea, handing a rampaging Mac to uh, Mick. (laughs) And uh, I thought we might lose both. So for once I actually thought that we just, yeah, landed the one. And you held off. Self-discipline. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> and, and another trip out to the rig after that. Yes, well, cricket lovers would be aware that the strike league's up playing in Darwin at the moment. We've got a lot of uh, South Australian players, young Tasmanian players here. So I um, took out a couple of South Australian young guns, John Dalton and Kelvin Smith, both opening batsmen, left and right combinations. I love an opening Oh, perfect batsman. left and right oh, combo. Look. We were discussing on the show last week, Pete, the values of having a left and right combo, not only in opening cricket, but also um, for small access land casting to billabongs. So you can get you can get either side of a small patch and both work the hole. Oh, definitely. And particularly if you're fly fishing, if you've got a left and right on a boat, both of the uh, back casts are going outside the boat, so you don't pin the other bloke in the ear, the nostril or the nether regions. <laughs> so how did this left-right combo go? Oh, look, fantastic young blokes. Uh, it was a bit choppy. But um, true to form, these guys just scored heavily. Yeah, it was a bit choppy and um, it was hard to spot any surface action and the Macs were a bit quiet. But we saw a rather large cobia finning on the surface. So uh, we thought it was a shark, but I I always think, oh, it could be a cobia. 50-50, let's have a crack anyway. Let's have a crack. We came around and we stalked it for about five minutes and young Kelvin Smith, like a beautiful off-drive, threw a whiptail jig straight at it and it ate it. And then all all the fun started. He's actually not caught too many big fish, and uh, the poor bugger, 20 kilos of uh, cobia, actually worked him over. Um, when we got it in, and unfortunately the photos took longer than the actual catching of the fish. So. I'm familiar with this uh, roundup too, Zed. Uh, so the poor young bloke, we said, look, you've scored a double hundred, because that's a pretty good capture. Yeah. You just sit down and let young John uh, take over and do the scoring. So, and, and John was getting into uh, GTs and Golden Trevallies and all the assorted things. But it was one hell of a capture, side casting a 20 kilo 
cobia in a bit of chop is a pretty good capture. Yeah, and they would have been happy. It went on ice to go to the tooth, I'm imagining. Exactly. Um, Milo, our dog, really enjoyed it because when I was filling him at home, you know, lots of offcuts, but I've never actually eaten one before and I'd let all the other ones we've caught go, but uh, I can see why they're, they're big buggers to bloody fill it. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, the bits of fillet have gone everywhere. The boys have had some. Um, Bob down at the uh, washdown base got some. <laughs> My mate Carlos, he's got a fillet. So, you know, one... Spreading the love. One fish can feed so many people. Oh, give a man a fish. Yeah, give him another chance to catch another one and another one and another one. Pete Zeroni. The man we call Zed. Some fantastic snaps, as always, from Pete. Have a look at the Facebook page. They'll be coming up there. He's a man, he, he hardly, he's got a hundred rods on his boat. He hardly ever picks them up. He's got about eight cameras and they get hammered. Oh, listen to that. Oh, oh listen, they're Where squealing for Novichok. Oh. Where is that Novichok? Where's the Novichok when you need it? Timmy, hurry up and come back. <laughs> he might be in Bulgaria trying to source some. Some ex-Soviet Union stock. Oh, listen to him, squealing for it. He's squealing for it. Now, the buffonted orange comb-over has had a pretty rough time of late, hasn't he? Though he seems to think it's all going swimmingly. It's all t- tickety-boo, if you ask him. He's slagged Canada, NATO, Germany, the UK, and even poor little Montenegro. And then the whole I'm with you, Vlad, controversy just went ballistic. After the old Finnish summit. Only in the fake news, though, apparently. Only in the fake news. Now, as you know, we're very sympathetic to Comover's plight here in the tinny. And particularly in this instance, because, well, we had our own clandestine espionage penetration ourselves late last year. Absolutely, you're in the right place, Ivan. Your Uncle Vladimir is going to love the territory. Uh, very good, Tovarich. But uh, tell me, do you have any secret spots? You know, classified. Absolutely. Loaded to the guns we are, trust me. Hmm, tell me more. No, no, no. If I told you more, Ivan, they wouldn't be secrets now, would they? That's how it works, you see. Uh, but how am I to believe your claims of top-secret intelligence without some kind of proof, comrade? So what are you saying, mate? I'm making it up. You don't believe me? Jeez, you bloody Italians are untrusting, aren't you? Righto, well, Mr Doubting Ivan, have a look at this, then. Waypoints for snapper bombies from Pete Zeroni. That's right, Zeroni. He's one of your mob. You know, dish best served cold and all that. Uh, And what about this? Here's a map of Roper Mouth with honey holes marked by Warren DeWitt. Yes, Warren DeWitt. Mm. I'm telling you, mate, if you're looking for the good oil, I'm... Oh, yes, yes, yes. But uh, can you show me that map again, friend? Yeah, right, there you go. And it doesn't stop there. Check this out. Bino Harbour. Absolutely confidential information. I hear some spots on the mini-mini. Secret, secret, secret. Oh, duh. Uncle Vladimir will be very happy with this information. Very happy indeed. <laughs> you moronic, blustering, capitalist, running dog, you pompous, posturing fool. No wonder the West is in decay. Oh, Mother Russia trumps you once again. Hoi, Ivan, 
Do all you white guys mumble to yourself like that? Oh, duh, duh. I mean, uh, si. Si, uh, molto bene. Pepperoni. Mozzarella. Bloody hell. I'm trying to prove to you how good my intel is. So look, it goes on. We've got waypoints here. Check this one out. 30 metres of water. It's, it's guaranteed to hit on the road. Here's a bit of a cross over here. And you're from Barra. There's a honey hole here. There's some great runs that are You... In a tackle shop, giving away territory fishing secrets to the bloody ratons! Oh, he told me he was Italian, Tim. He was obviously a KGB spy, Robert! Oh, Clearly! I, I thought Ivan and Vladimir were funny names for Italians, but... Tim, what have I done? I've betrayed the territory. What have I done? <laughs> oh, dear, Robert. Now, now look, I, I, like my friend Comover, would like to correct the record. Actually, after going over the transcript of that previous piece, it has come to my attention that I misspoke. When I said betrayed the territory, I meant to say I would never betray the territory. Where I said, here, have these waypoints, Vlad. What I actually meant to say was, no, Vlad, you can't look at these waypoints. Now... The lefty, greeny, pinko, politically correct, apologist, homogenous, fake fourth estate say that, of course, I was a rollover for Vlad. This is not the case, and I can confirm to you, fishers, if you just adhere to your faceache news feed coming directly from me, that I remain staunch, unrelenting and steadfast in my holy quest of making the Territory great again. What do you think about that, Joel? Have I, do you think I got away with it? I like the approach. Only time will tell. <laughs> now, Lisa the Brave has shown us since she's come aboard the tinny that she'll have a go at most things. Wrangling fishos and on the water and at the bar, quad biking through thick country, having face-to-face standoff with buffaloes trying to stop passage to prime fishing spots. That's her, That's what she does in her spare time. Oh. Doing whatever it takes to get the yarn for the tin. Yesterday, we sent her out to Manton Dam to go for a test run in a racing tin and told her to pack a couple of spare pair of undies. Yeah, it's Veerly here in the dinghy with Lisa. Now, fishos... I'm sitting in a 10-foot-long tinny with not the usual mod cons I'm used to when I'm on a tinny. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not being snobby about it, but it, it feels very small. Andrew Veal's about to take me out for a spin on his racing tinny. I'll let him do the honours and tell you what it's called. Uh, the boat's called Titan Uranus because that's what you've got to do when we open it up because this 10-foot tinny does in excess of 65 kilometres an hour. And we race down the uh, the Ord River from Lake Argyle to Lake Kununurra at the ski club. This um, happens every year. There's quite a few tinnies get involved. It's a 0-30 horsepower handicapped event. We run in the standard class. I've had 15 wins out of 15 starts. So hopefully we're going to get one more and then I'm going to hand the reins over to me son. Now it's a good looking tinny. It's the fastest colour of red you could imagine. I've noticed on the inside and on the hull there's a couple of ABC Tales from the Tinny stickers, which was quite impressive. 
Yeah, I listen to Tinny just about every week, and if I miss it, I podcast it when we're out fishing. Um, that's the only reason I miss it is because I'm out of range. Yeah, I love the show. So Vili's going to bring me out here and take his boat, which he's about to race next weekend for a spin. And just quietly, I'm crapping my pants. Yep. actually more fun than I thought it would be. I thought I would be absolutely cuffing myself, which I was, uh, admittedly I was, but it was really fun. This boat is a lot more stable than the old one, it's a new type of hull, it's a lot sharper V and at high speed it gives us a lot more stability, it doesn't get as much air underneath it, which makes it uh, chine walk as you notice it was chine walking a fair bit, the old boat chine walked really really bad. That would not be a comfortable trip at 65 kilometres an hour. No, it um, sort of makes you tighten your anus. How are you feeling going into the race next week? Yeah, a lot of confidence. This is my 16th year in the race. Um, not in a row, but yeah, we've been doing it for quite a long time. The boat's pretty lightweight, right? The boat, motor, fuel tank, oars, everything that's in the boat except for my fat ass weighs 100 kilos. At full speed, you do feel the chine walking where the boat's going back and forth. And you did have me moving from the front to the back of the boat, was that to assist in what? If you're sitting down the back with me and we go into a corner at top speed, the boat will get totally out of control and we'll flip it. I'm glad you got me to move then, <laughs> even if it was a bit weird uh, moving at full speed on a small boat. Are you going to do any fishing while you're there, Vili? Absolutely. As soon as the race is over, Rob and I are staying for an extra week. We're going to hit the Ord. I love fishing the Ord. It's probably one of the better rivers in the top end. We normally get 30, 40 bar a day without fail. We quite often get a couple of meteries while we're there in that week. We also go downriver and we're looking at going out to the mouth of the keep this time. It's good fishing out there. It's a very shallow river but when the tide turns and comes in, there's usually a stack of barra follow the bait up and get a lure in there. Everyone that goes down there live baits, but I'm not much of a live baiter. I like to throw a bit of plastic around. I like the hard bodies, but I do throw a fair bit of soft plastic around as well. All right, Vili, thank you so much for uh, taking me for a spin in your mad little hotted-up tinny. Good luck for the race. Yep, and uh, get a muddled up, yeah, then tighten your anus. Are we going fishing today? Tales. Tomorrow? From the tinny. I'm a good girl already. Tristan Sloan from Palmy. Yeah. How are you, mate? You've been uh, donging a few tuna in the harbour, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we've been getting a lot of tuna. 10 to 15 most mornings when we've been heading out, so it's been great. We've been hearing reports from other, well, supposedly good fishers that there's not many tuna around. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd say tuna is the thinking man's fish, Rob. And uh, being somewhat of an intellectual, I have no trouble catching them. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us uh, how, where, what tides, what have you been doing? Tuna need a couple of things, I suppose. They need nice big tides, clean water to push the bait in, and you get, they're easier to find in spot when the, the wind's down and it's calm. So you get a, a nice little window for a couple of hours early in the morning when the tide pushes in. You can definitely catch them on, on neepish tides, but I certainly find they feed a lot more aggressive on, on the bigger tides, certainly in the last couple of hours of the, of the running towards the top of the tide. So that uh, calm window over the bigger tides is the key? That's right. I mean, in saying I've caught them on windy days, um, just looking at the sounder, 
and uh, you can really look at a sounder and, and pick out tuna because um, obviously they feed on little white bait, they're only you know, an inch, a uh, couple inches big and they pack up into balls. So just like looking for mackerel, if you're looking at sound and see some, some white bait in a, in a ball and some streaky blue or, or red lines around them, that, that's normally tuna if you're looking in the harbour. What size fish have you been getting? They're not big tuna, certainly not compared to the east coast, they're 6 to 8 kilos. Perfect size for a quick fight on a spin rod but not too big that they get painful. And nice to pull some loins off to sashimi up? Mate, I eat the entire thing. You can even boil the head up for fish stock. All jewfish bait, if you that way inclined, but certainly an eight kilo tuna will give you a sashimi for quite a few days. So how wide have you been working? You've been saying harbour tuna, so inside the arms? Yeah, definitely. So what, what we normally do, um, as the tide starts to rise, we'll work our way deeper into the harbour. So we normally start out at launch at Diner Beach and run out to uh, either um, Lee Point or Mandora, just depending on where the wind's blowing. And once we start catching fish, they'll push right up into the arms. So we actually had our best session. We caught 10 fish in about uh, an hour and a half in front of the ferry terminal, just at Cullen Bay, just at the big sandbank there. We caught them right up to Stokes Hill. So it's good to know that you can get good fish close to home. You don't need to go on those big, long trips to get them, right? There is a couple of secrets. Happy to share them because we like to see people out catching fish and, and pulling drag. So two things is you lose, use really little metal lures, only uh, 15 to 20 grams. The one thing I find out, and I've been doing it on most of my metals, is you need a big eye on them, which seems to get more bites. Use light leader, 20-pound leader, 8-pound braid. And what a lot of people don't realise, tuna push into the harbour on the incoming tide. And if there is wind, tuna will always feed into the wind. So if you see a school pop up and you miss it, motor ahead a couple hundred metres in the same trajectory they're heading, and they'll feed into the wind. The other thing you can do when it's school of tuna sounds often they're still in the area and the best thing to do is get a little soft plastic you know three and a half inch clear or white soft plastic on a half inch jig head throw it directly out in front of the boat and just let it let it sink and they'll pick it up on the drop nine times out of ten and uh, often you can get three or four more fish after the schools disappeared doing that very nice now just wind back a bit did you say eight pound yeah that's right eight pound you bar. are really a sporting bloke yeah. aren't you yeah well one thing using really light lures so using a 15 gram or, or half ounce um, jig head and you put in big casts in as well so you're trying to throw it 30 40 meters the one thing you need to remember when you are using metals is you need to burn it back as you know wind until your arms fall off basically you wind the drag up fairly tight because you want to try and get to, into the boat as fast as you can in saying that have broken a couple of rods but that's normally in the boat when we've got triple and double hookups and you try and get the closest fish in as fast as possible and that's often been me <laughs> you put some real wood on those fish and unfortunately i've heard a couple of snaps Speaking of guns and working those guns on the big fish, this is the first time I've ever seen you in casual Friday attire, Tristan. What's going on? It's, you do develop big arms from catching fish, so um, that's just my fishing prowess will speak for itself on that, I think, Lisa. You don't look like a man who's about to head into the office right now. Where are you off to? No, no, luckily the boss has been very generous and he's given me a week off. So um, we're heading out to uh, Yellow Waters in Kakadu. I've got my little brother up from down south and I, I promised him a few bar and a few Saratoga. So we'll head out there for the, the rest of the week and um, hopefully get on some fish. Do you reckon you'll deliver on those promises? Yellow Waters is fairly consistent, certainly in this moon phase. So it's from the dark moon building to the full moon. The first quarter of the moon tends to be really good for night fishing, either, either trolling big lures down the, the billabong, or what I normally like to do is catch a few fish on lures just by trolling. Once I've found them, we'll put spot lock on the motor and we'll throw um, fizzes and, and surface lures around because that you know, really gets the heart racing in the middle of the night. Yeah. You're going to give um, home and Mardigal a crack as well? Uh, 
Well, it depends. Look, to be honest, I have fished other waters a couple of times. I've got a few little honey holes in there. Um, I generally don't go into other billabongs unless I can't catch fish in the first billabong. That's normally a sign of desperation. But look, we, we might put the kids on the boat and take them for a drive in Mardi Gras, see if we can see some wildlife. And the kids, they're into fishing? Look, uh, my, my youngest boy's eight months, so he hasn't quite got the coordination yet. But my little girl definitely will um, will go for a troll around the billabong and she'll hold a rod once we hook a fish and I'll help her wind and she loves it. Squeals with delight. It's absolutely unbelievable. Oh, well, uh, good luck, mate. Thanks for the tuna tips and have uh, hope you nail some barrow out there for the visitors. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Tales from the tinny. Get a muddle up your brass. Tristan Sloan there, who we also got out at... Uh, DPI Fisheries out of Berrima there, hence the uh, heckling from the background that came from uh, one Peter Zeroni, you might have noticed there. Now, we heard earlier from uh, Graham Williams. The Heritage Listed Guide. That's the one, the Heritage Listed Guide, who'd been wearing heaps of crap on a recent extended charter from the other guides, other, uh, let's say, younger guides, after one of his clients dubbed him the Heritage Listed Guide. The abusive charge, apparently, had been led by young whippersnapper Glenn Watt of Barefoot Fishing Charters, who Graham had graciously and magnanimously mentored in Watty's early years in the Territory. Hey? No respect. Where is the respect these days? Where is the respect? But old dogs like Graham know... That revenge is sweet. Oh, yeah, I've been around long enough to know that the tide will turn and uh, it actually happened yesterday out of the blue, just fell straight in my lap, having a nice lunch with Dorothy and Roger and Kath Bassett when I get the classic phone call. Graham, Graham, it's a mayday, a mayday, a mayday. I said, what's happened here? What's happened here? He says, I'm stuck. I'm up the back of one of the arms over on West Arm there and uh, the tide's gone out and I've got clients on board and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I said, there's not going to be a lot done till 3.30 because that's when the tide bottoms out. And this was 11.30 in the middle of the day. I think you might be sitting there for a while, but I'll go for the rescues. Of course you did. You couldn't possibly say no. You'd drop anything for that opportunity, wouldn't you? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. I mean, the first thing I did was ring you. <laughs> you know, this is, I've got it. We've got a good story here, and I'm going to get my bit back. Anyhow, about 4.30, I put the boat on the water. Poor old Waddy stuck up in a... I thought on a mud bank for about six or seven hours. I don't know what they're going to do. Casting at mud skippers, maybe? Yeah, well, that's what I assume. Yeah, there'd be good, you know, spot the mud skippers. And the odd bird, he's always very much in the birds. Identify the flights going over. Oh, that'll be uh, QF uh, 147 going to Singapore? Yeah, exactly all that. <laughs> but, you know, having said that and being the compassionate sort of person, you know, I, I understand that this is your worst nightmare. Now, I've mentored poor old Waddy quite a bit. And I know he wouldn't be sitting over there with that wind and smile, but I've never told him how to get stuck like that. <laughs> but anyhow, off I've gone on the suspended everything for the evening and off I've gone looking for him. So I've got a GPS mark and I've got the sat phone and I finally got in there, but he wasn't on any mud flat. He was up this tiniest little creek full of trees and bushes and high mangroves 
and I've come around the corner and I couldn't even see him till I got within about 50 feet. Took some negotiation of this creek with my black arrow and fortunately I pushed and shoved and got there and he was yelling out and I thought he was further away but with not having my hearing aids because I fell in the pool at Christmas with him, <laughs> um, he could have been further than that but he was actually quite close. And when I finally came around the corner, here he was, no win and smile. <laughs> Clients are there. They were quite happy and, and a nice couple, but we pushed and shoved and finally got the back end of the boat in underneath his because he's about three metres above the creek at this stage, even two hours into the tide. Uh, and I've extracted them and got them out of there. I don't know what happened to him after that, but it must have took him some time to get out of there. But I did do him a favour. I dropped him off a few beers. <laughs> to, to numb the pain of the rest of the yeah, way. Well, he was on his own. He's going to be sitting there. He'd run out of rid, you know, so I thought maybe he could use it to rub on or something. Now, you've uh, ended up with a heritage-listed guide. Is there, uh, uh, names are very hard to get rid of once they've stuck, Graham. Do you think, think Waddy might end up with a name out of this? Yeah, well, we've, we've got a good one. I spoke to Dino yesterday, and I think we're going to call him Glenn Watt Mudbank. What mudbank? <laughs> so, whether he likes that or not, he's going to wear that muddy or mudbank, but I'm sure there'll be some reference to that over conversations in, in many a dinner from here on in. Revenge! Revenge, Graham! How sweet it is! Glenn, what mudbank? Or muddy, for sure. And as you said earlier, Joel... Names, once stuck, are very, very hard to ditch. Who do you think Glenn Watt Mudbank actually is? Is it Glenn Watt Mudbank? Or is it Glenn Watt Mudbank? Or is it Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Watt Mudbank? I reckon there'll be a bit of workshopping. I reckon there will be. Over a few cool drinks. It's got potential. It has got potential. Now, I've got a photo that Graham sent in of uh, Glenn Watt Mudbank and his vessel. like. Glenn Watt Mudbank's face isn't actually in the photo. I think he was cowering down behind the console. But the punters were happily enough up the front with the mud crabs, but they are wedged into the mangroves. Seriously wedged into the mangroves. Now, Waddy, I think this needs further investigation. I think we need to hear your side of the story, fella. I think we need to hear your side of the story. You know where we are. You can hit us at Faceache, you can get us at fishing at abc.net.au or you can come to the studio and bring cold beer and we can talk it over, mate. That about wraps the tinny for this week. Thanks to Rowan Shorty, uh, Alex Julius, David Shirovolo, uh Pete Zeroni, all out at uh, Berrima Farm. And, of course, Tristan Sloan out there as well. What a gaggle of great minds. Saw a number of other folk out there as well that we might hear from over coming weeks. Mark Grubin, Professor Crab, who, uh, as we've mentioned over recent weeks on the Tinny, we believe to have the most comprehensive and extensive range of uh, crab pornography available in the Northern Territory. Yasmin Murphy, Andrew Lehman and his video from uh, Merganella. Brendan and Mel Harkness. Mel, caught a first barra. Good on ya. Matthew Hayne. Look out for his van in a suburb near you. More crabs. S&M. S&M. Michael Hicks. 
Andrew Veal. Now, I must say one quick thing. Andrew Veal, I heard a whisper, Rob, that he's been asking you and Tim to go out in this high-speed tinny, but you We haven't been... got the ticker! <laughs> we haven't <laughs> got the ticker! And as soon as Lisa got the invitation, you said, yeah, absolutely, Lisa, get out there. <laughs> Good on you, Lisa, for getting out there. Nathan Land and, and Packy Andy, of course. Well, that long piece of literature that you sent through. Good on you, mate. Graham Williams, Robin Leppert, and you... Show because you are what makes this program what it is. We'll be back next week. I have no idea where Timmy will be. We'll probably find out then. In the meantime, get a Novichok chook up, you. Tales from the Tinny.